The future is uncertain and the end is always clear, wrote a, a rock band one day. And you often hear people say things could be worse. Well, yes, they could. I know it's the Christmas period. There'll be a federal election next year, though, and you'll be asked to think about the future, your future, the future of the country. So I wanted to have a discussion about this with my next guest, who's a Canberra federal Labor parliamentarian, a little bit more interesting than most in many in my mind. He reads a lot and he writes a lot. Andrew Lee is the Shadow Assistant Minister for Treasury and Charities. And he's written a book called What's the Worst Thing That Could Happen? Existential Risk and Extreme Politics. Where in this book, interestingly, he argues for the return of a Roman idea. He says, and I quote, I argue that the answer lies in the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. Finally, Andrew, it makes sense. You're a Stoic. Thanks for coming on this afternoon. Real pleasure, Steve, and such a delight that you uh, picked up on the Stoic reference there. Tell me why you see Stoicism as a way, as a philosophy, as a way of thinking to cope with, handle and address the issues of the future, first of all. Steve, I'm drawn to Stoicism because I think it it involves a a less kind of macho, posy approach to politics and more a notion of politics as service. The Stoics talked about four cardinal virtues, courage, prudence, justice and moderation. Uh, Courage is boldness and service of truth. Uh, And just as in battle, it involves accepting a bit of danger in pursuit of a noble cause. Uh, Prudence is is a love of wisdom. Justice involves treating other people fairly. And moderation involves recognising that running to extremes is rarely the right answer. I think it's an approach to politics which uh, uh, ultimately takes us a little further away from the kind of uh, John Wayne, Sylvester Stallone kind of macho, posy uh, approach and and is more inclusive of of women. And, of course, if you include 51% of the population, you get a bit of politics. That sounds like Maoism to you. Wasn't it Mao who said women hold up half the sky? He's not wrong about everything, uh, but uh, most most things he is wrong about. Uh, in this case, I think it's it's really important to have a politics which recognises that uh, anger and shoutiness uh, only get us so far when we're trying to solve big problems. And what's the worst that can happen focuses on these catastrophic threats, uh, things that could actually end the entire human project, uh, like nuclear war, bioterrorism, uh, unchecked climate change or artificial intelligence gone wrong. And if we're going to deal with big challenges like that, uh, then the Stoic values will guide us well. It's quite a collection of potential disasters facing humanity. In the book, you claim that there is a one in six chance of humanity being wiped out in the next century. Did you do you actually, actually model that economically? Or how did you come up with that, a one in six chance that humanity will be wiped out the next 100 years? Well, I'm drawing on the work of uh, another Aussie, uh, expat uh, Oxford philosopher Toby Ord, who's gone through a range of these risks and uh, talk, uh, looked at the best estimates from the literature. Uh, so, for example, he puts the risk of uh, catastrophic nuclear war in the next century at one in a thousand, same, same for catastrophic climate change, uh, but uh, engineered pandemics uh, wiping us out, one in 30. Uh, And the biggest risk, uh, according to Toby, uh, is unaligned artificial intelligence. Uh, You know, think Matrix, Terminator, uh, a super intelligence that doesn't share our values. So he holds the Elon Musk view of the world. Elon Musk is one of those who warns that uh, artificial intelligence not only is but will be, you know, uncontrollable in the future, very near future. 
Yeah, Musk dates a whole range of uh, sensible, thoughtful uh, scholars have worried about this risk. Uh, and the thing about unaligned artificial intelligence is we pretty much know we're going to get there, Steve. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's no scientific reason why ultimately the power of computers won't outpace the power of human brains. Uh, and at that point, uh, the computers may well be able to recursively improve themselves and very quickly run away from us. So they view our intelligence the same way as we view our pets. And they were very kind to our pets, but uh, what if they viewed us the way in which we view insects, for example? Uh, we're not outright hostile to insects, but neither do we go out of our, our way to ensure that uh, they're all looked after. So we've got to lock in the right set of values into artificial intelligence to make sure that humanity's greatest invention isn't its last invention. My guest is a federal Labor Canberra parliamentarian, Andrew Lee, who's the Labor member for Fenner in the ACT. He's quite a prolific writer in my mind. His latest book is called What's the Worst That Could Happen? Existential Risk and Extreme Politics. And you've written this book in the context of sort of having to navigate, you know, policymakers and politicians having to navigate their way through some of these really major uh, um, you know, significant events in terms of human history. Pandemic mm. pandemics might be top of mind right now. Is bioterrorism top of your worry list? I've, so I've read Shari Markson's book, What Really Happened in Wuhan. I think the title is not really good, but the actual content of the book is actually really quite thoughtful and I'm quite convinced that there was an accidental lab leak at a, a, a BSL Level 4 lab in Wuhan do you believe that the this current pandemic is an accident from a laboratory or do you see it as something else in your book? Uh, look, I, I still think that the uh, evidence is, is is against that, but it's certainly, you know, you know the probability of it isn't zero. Uh, we, we know, for example, that uh, uh, the last person who died of smallpox uh, died as a result of a, a leak from a laboratory. Uh, so we do need to be very careful around particularly the security of these BSL level four facilities. Now, I think it's more likely that uh, uh, there is an extinction event which comes from uh, an, uh, an engendered pandemic rather than a naturally occurring one, uh, because the technology for allowing us to uh, develop, develop these sort of bad bugs uh, is getting better and better, uh, and the checks aren't as good as they should be around those. Uh, so gene printing, the CRISPR-Cas9 process, uh, that's only been around for, uh, for a decade or so. Uh, we need to make sure it's, it's only used for good. I listened to a podcast by a British archaeologist by the name of Paul M.M. M. Cooper, whose, whose podcast series is the, the terribly optimistic fall of civilizations. And he looks at what caused, you know, some of the great civilizations uh, to collapse, you know, the Aztecs, you know, the Han Dynasty in China, Byzantium, the Assyrians. And it's quite often a common theme. What do you see as what causes systems or people groups to collapse, Andrew Lee? Well, one of the theories is uh, is overstretch, and so that's the uh, sort of standard theory for the fall of the Roman Empire, for example. Uh, uh, and then there's a sort of ignorance of uh, of the uh, natural natural environment. Uh, so that's one of the theories for the, the last trees cut down on Easter Island. In our case, as an entire species, Steve, I think we need to uh, worry about our creation of technologies. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, the uh, the creation of nuclear weapons. Uh, has significantly raised the risk of uh, nuclear arm Armageddon. Uh, we have too many weapons sitting on hair trigger alert. Uh, we don't have systems in place that allow 
missiles to be recalled. Uh, and there's just far too many uh, nuclear weapons. So there are you know, tens of thousands uh, of nuclear weapons in a world in which uh, we would be much safer if there was just a matter of hundreds uh, and much safer again if uh, we had fewer nuclear weapon states. My guess is Andrew Lee. We're talking about the themes in his book, What's the Worst That Could Happen? Existential Risk and Extreme Politics. The, the, as a politician, you're involved in part of the problem in many ways, that by nature you have to be popular, inverted commas, by winning more votes than your opponents and getting elected. But you see real risks in populism. What's the difference, Andrew Lee? So populism is the uh, the view that politics is a battle between the pure mass of people and some vile elite. Uh, there used to be left-wing populists in Latin America, not many anymore. They'd say the vile elite has been the rich. But more commonly in the last couple of decades, we've seen right-wing populists for whom their reviled elite is uh, Im- immigrants or intellectuals or insiders of the establishment. Uh, And that uh, divisive view of politics makes it really hard to focus on big, complicated challenges uh, that, by their very nature, need to draw on expertise, need countries to be working together and need a cool-headed, stoic approach to to, to tackling the challenges. Uh, So as we've seen the rise in populism, I think we've also seen something that could act as a force multiplier for these existential threats. And so that's why the book's subtitled uh, Existential Risk and Extreme Politics, because I do think that extreme politics... Uh, makes existential risk more likely. Uh, And, uh, for example, look at Donald Trump tearing up the uh, Iran nuclear deal and what that does and uh, moving us closer to having another nuclear weapons state uh, or indeed pulling out of the Paris Climate climate Accord and making it more difficult uh, to get the decarbonisation we need in order to stave off those extreme climate change events. Uh, So, you know, we need to tackle populism head on if we're to reduce the chances that humanity snuffs itself out. Is there the capability within Australia's parliament to tackle and cope, just, and I say just cope with some of these risks that we face in the future, Andrew Lee? Look, absolutely there is, Steve. Australia's got a great track record of uh, working on nuclear disarmament through the Canberra Commission on, uh, on nuclear disarmament in the 1980s. Uh, We had the potential to play much more of a leadership role uh, during the COVID pandemic. We have at times played a leadership role in tackling climate change in the world world stage. And I think Australia hosting uh, one of those COP meetings would really show our commitment to dealing with one of the things that could be an existential threat to the the planet. Uh, So so, in spite of all this, you're not pessimistic, Andrew? I'm a huge optimist about this, Steve. And and look, let me give you the big picture as to why I'm optimistic. Uh, It's that the human project is just getting going. Uh, Before the the sun burns out, uh, we've probably got another billion years or so, uh, which means another 30 million generations. Now, if humanity were uh, an adult that would live to 80 years old, uh, we would now be a nine-day-old baby. Uh, we're a fraction of the way through what we could achieve, and, and what our descendants could achieve would be remarkable compared to what we've done so far. So we just need to make sure they have the chance to do that. And this one-in-six chance that humanity goes extinct in the next century uh, should be a red-flashing light for us to, to reduce those existential threats, uh, just as you would if you lived in a fire-prone area, uh, making sure that that uh, your house didn't burn down. Uh, Take out a bit of insurance, take a few precautions, uh, and uh, humanity can live a a long and glorious future. On that note, I'll leave it there. Say thanks for coming on and happy Christmas to you, Andrew Lee. 